Hey there, welcome to Cageless, a conversation podcast about experiential wisdom and personal hope. I'm Jenny Johnson. I'm a writer and I'm asking experts, thought leaders, and my friends to share their knowledge and tools on how they found freedom. Welcome to season one. Today, our guest is an author, a speaker, a podcaster, and an artist. She has been featured in the New York Times, NPR, BBC, Glamour, Women's Health, all things that I care about and have read since a very young age. This is Miss Natalie Liu. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Jenny. What an introduction. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. What a woman, right? (laughs) I am so excited to have you on Cageless today. Um, Your new book, your fifth book, The Joy of Saying No, will be published uh, this coming fall by Harper's Collins. So in October 2022. Yeah. Which, like, what a freaking title. The Joy of Saying No. That's my favorite (laughs) word lately. Do you know, it is... I discovered the joy of saying no through some hard-earned experience. You know, I was very much in that camp of, oh my gosh, like, no is terrible. I've been forced into saying no against my will. It makes me a bad person. And then over time, I, I reflected and realized no is very liberating for me. It's not a bad word yeah. or anything like that. No has been the gateway to everything that is good in my life right now where I am, where I sit here today, yeah. is specifically because of very specific no's that I gave. Right. And in our culture, it's so easy to kind of look at the dichotomy between no and yes and be like, well, yes equals more. Like yes equals mm-hmm. more good things, uh, more success, more. It's It's like acclimating more. Yes. But it's not until you realize that like more doesn't equate good. In fact, a lot of the time more equates um, burnout, right? Which is another thing that you are so adamant and, and such a, a great teacher on. I have a quote from, from your website that I absolutely love that, that says, I help people pleasers, perfectionists, and relationship strugglers overcome their emotional baggage so that they can become more of who they really are. Um, which your blog's name is Emotional Baggage Reclaim. So can you tell me a little bit about how that came to be? Yes, absolutely. So Baggage Reclaim came about, I started writing it in September 2005. And it was about a month or so after I'd experienced, on reflection, what was quite an awakening. And I'd always felt like I was Miss Monogamy, that I was chasing love. And then dating yet another guy who didn't want to be in a relationship, who said he he just suddenly remembered that, you know, he he wasn't over his girlfriend yet. Mm. It was the first time I'd been brave enough to pick up the phone and just have a calm and normal conversation where I said, this doesn't work for me and I want this to end. Normally, I would just drag this on sometimes for years on end. And I said, what makes you think that I'm the kind of woman who would put up with a situation like this? Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it felt as if it is cliche to say it, but as if everything shifted, because I stopped seeing myself as this victim of all of my romantic relationships. Don't get me wrong. Some of the guys that I went out with shady as hell. Right. However, I'm the common denominator in I am in every single moment, scene, act in my life. 
I'm the Oof. only person who's in all of that. And I had to start asking, what am I bringing into each of these situations? Because if I have the power to make myself so unhappy, then I surely could shift my energies in another direction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and put that into making me happy. And so Baggage Reclaim came about really because I wanted to talk out loud about all of the things that I was starting to realize mm-hmm. were affecting me being able to forge healthy intimate relationships and I you know I'm coming up to 40 well I'm a few months out from 45 but I grew up in the era of uh I guess it was let's see Cosmopolitan Just 17 Mm. War Magazine obviously it varies around the world but a lot of the advice aimed at women was about looking good right and using that and our sexuality our ability to to kind of pander to and keep a man as a way to advance ourselves so whenever I looked around for advice about what was going on in my relationships it was like here's 50 ways to please your man put on some sexy lingerie you know make him dinner go down on him whatever it might be and I was like what is this bs like I felt like there needed to be a a far more nuanced and actually just a very very different conversation about relationships because I thought I was strange. I thought it was weird, like unlovable or something. Something about me was making all of these situations happen. And then when you have people, strangers Mm. around the world going, you're describing my life. You're talking about me. I feel like this. And it wasn't just women. There were guys as well. But I found it was particularly important at the time to speak specifically to women because we are socialized into patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And of course, men are as well. But we as women have been taught that our value lies in how we look and and being sexually appealing and doing what men expect of us. And so it is important for us to question that and unpick it. And that's where Baggage Reclaim started, because it was like, let's reclaim ourselves from this emotional baggage that we're carrying around the stories and the judgments and the criticisms and the rules and find our real selves in that because we we come into this world feeling enough you know nobody's we're not in the womb going I'm not enough it's all the stuff that we pick up along the way where we decide that we're not enough and I'm sure you've seen this through what you've done for instance on TikTok but you've connected with all of these people around the world that sense of feeling like you're making a difference maybe some of them have even given you you know useful feedback or support and I have had that as a result of blogging like some of the things that I did to help myself when I was very unwell that came from people who were following my blogs and I thought you know what if I can help one person one woman in particular avoid what I had been through Mm. or I could help somebody navigate out of that situation I felt like I had given back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which something that uh, I believe that I had listened to one of your books on Blinkist, oh, really? uh, which I'm not sponsored by Blinkist, just a disclaimer there, but it is a great app and you should look into it, especially if you like to read a lot of books or listen to a lot of books. You were saying that you grew up on Cosmopolitan, right? Mm-hmm. You grew up on these uh, these magazines, these advice columns, television shows, media that really fed into the idea of what what can a woman give, yeah. right? I think it might have even been Bell Hooks that had mentioned mm-hmm. like, you know, women are inherently givers and men are inherently takers, mm-hmm. which is such a blanket statement. But I have also found that it is true. I can also only speak on behalf of a cisgendered 
you know, straight woman. But I have found so much of the time that all of those ideas weren't original. Mm -hmm. Like we weren't four-year-olds walking around wanting to like, like we were all playing together, right? It turned into this like relationship, uh, like snowball that we were taught, right? Mm -hmm. Like boys were taught you don't get to cry because that makes you weak. Girls were taught you need to sit up pretty and smile because it makes everyone else a lot more comfortable. So where did you or do you have a pinpoint in your life, just backtracking a little bit, do you feel like you you learned that? Was it in your family system? Was it in school? (laughs) Oh, I people pleasing and that whole doing what is expected of me, you know, conforming, uh, that is as... What not is was as natural to me as breathing. I don't remember ever being any other way. And I do think mm-hmm. that the world socializes, conditions us into being people pleasers. And there are very different messages aimed at boys and girls. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's all about being obedient and compliant. And I can, can remember being probably about three and feeling this deep sense of responsibility that I had to be a big girl mm-hmm and make sure I was strong and not cause trouble or make too much demands. Like I I always acted like my brother and then later on my next two brothers that came along when my mom got married. I always acted like they had more, like more needs. And it's funny because we were at Christmas dinner probably, I don't know, more than 10 years ago. My mom had had a bit to drink and she's like, oh yeah, I just like decided when when you were a baby like you just didn't need me as much and when people attachment style activated (laughs) yeah and when adults around you make these kind of decisions we're in this feedback loop and as as kids you or you arrange yourself around that and so I felt it was my job to to be good to excel there was a lot of pressure on me to excel to be the best to have more than my mother and so there was it was this job to not ask for too much to not express too many needs and then when I think you I mean that's part of my family structure you know my my parents are on my father's side they're Jamaican Chinese and then obviously then coming to England so you've got the English aspect to it as well and then on my mom's side they're Jamaican but with some Jewish Mm -hmm. origins there in the background as well and the this is all in our DNA you know what is what is passed down through the family it's trauma there you know my family when they came to England you know my mom and and my dad both were left behind in Jamaica Mm -hmm. They both came to England and had quite the shock. All of these things fed into why there was this expectation of compliance and, you know, being obedient and managing every aspect of myself. Yeah, absolutely. And and you explain all of your circumstance so eloquently and it, it piques the question in me, what made you decide one day? Like, I think I think there's something wrong here and I think I'm going to change it. Or was it was it a compilation of decisions over time? That summer, before I started baggage reclaim, so much was not right in my life. You know, I had a life-threatening immune system disease called sarcoidosis, which I, you know, had spent a year being on steroids. As I started to explore other avenues for addressing my health, I realized that I could eat healthily and drink lots of water and, you know, exercise and all those things. But it doesn't really 
make that much of a difference if the way that you engage with the people who have the big hold on your bandwidth, your emotional, mental, physical, spiritual well-being, if that doesn't change. Right. And that is where my that, that realization of going, actually, Natalie, you have to draw a line here and say, actually, no, you can't do that. Yes. Which is is the power of saying no. I have found that boundaries are almost one of the purest forms of love. It is quite the opposite of hate or you are not wanting any sort of fracture in a relationship. In fact, you are trying to mend relationships by putting up guardrails and boundaries. Oh but my gosh, I want to do a testify dance for you <laughs> just as you as you say that because that is exactly it. Like people think that boundaries are going to cut you off, they're going to limit you, but if you don't have boundaries, you don't have intimacy. Because mm. when you have boundaries, you are being honest. You're showing that love, care, trust and respect for yourself and for others. You know the difference between you and that other person. And as you say, it's that sense of those guardrails. It's not about I have boundaries because I don't trust you. It's I have boundaries because I want to have healthy, intimate relationships. I want to be a grown up. Yes. It's not I don't trust you. It's I trust myself more. Which you have to, which and, and this is me so bold of me to, to say I'm not, I'm 26. I am so violently aware that there are many things that I don't know. I'm also not married, but I do know you cannot survive unless you put your oxygen mask on first. It's just a fact of life. If your cup is empty, you can't pour into anyone else. I don't know, whether, no matter what kind of religion you practice, all of the great teachers that I can think of Jesus, for example, this homie literally said, guys, leave me alone. I'm sleeping. Guys, leave me alone. I'm going into the desert. I am the son of God and I have a boundary here. Leave me alone so I can come help you. The son of God. No offense, guys. But if you're like a recovering perfectionist like me, mm -hmm. I think that I'm God most days. And I think that I can give to everyone and I can create and I can do all of the things and be all of the roles, especially as a woman. You want to be the caregiver. You want to give, 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 create, create, create. But even God rested on the seventh day. And I think that we forget that, right? Yeah. I think that learning how to say no and learning how to rest is going to be in conjunction with the health of your life mm -hmm. and the health of everyone around you, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that boundaries and saying yes and no to, you know, you've got the heart and the lungs and they work together to pump oxygen-rich blood around your body. Mm. Now, of course, some people's lungs or heart become compromised, but you don't, you basically, you need them both to work together in order, as I said, for that oxygen-rich blood to move around and for you to function healthily and happily for all the other parts of your body to get what they need. Now, if you're only saying yes, first of all, you're lying. Because nobody wants to say yes all the time. It's dishonest. It's disingenuous. This is a big thing that I get across to people. It's perfectly fine to say yes if that is truly what you want to say. But if you're saying yes because you are doing it from this avoidant, fearful place, because you're trying to manipulate people to get what you want further down the line, that is disingenuous. 
That is not an honest yes. It's lying is what it is. Exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, something I'm known for saying is if you don't say yes authentically, you say it resentfully, fearfully or avoidantly. And that leads to far more problems than if you just said no in the first place. And this idea that no is a dirty word and yes is just so clean. We, when we are exhausted and resentful and overwhelmed and anxious and depressed and feeling low, that is because of all of our misspent yes. We haven't really respected our sense of well-being. The fact that we actually only have so much time, energy and effort available to us. And that all affects our, uh, our emotions. And our emotions are basically what's guiding our body. So if we're running around lying all the time, we're not feeling our feelings. So we're emotionally unavailable. So this idea that yes makes us these this virtuous, kind-hearted, generous, benevolent person, that's all bullshit. Yes. You know, your parents will say to you, of course, you know, you should, you should say no in certain situations, like no means no. But then it's like no means no, as long as you're not saying it to me and as long as you're not hurting anybody's feelings. But humans get their feelings bent out of shape about anything and everything. We only have to look at the internet to see that, that somebody can post something good and somebody gets upset about that. Somebody can post something that is, they could say, I like my cat. And there's a portion of people that would be like, oh, that's lovely. And there'd be a portion of people, I hate your cats. La, la, la. We're irrational creatures. Mm. So we can't base saying our yes or no, for that matter, on other people's feelings. It has to be on the honesty of ourselves. You know, you mm -hmm. said about how every, uh, did you say spiritual teacher or religious teacher talks about um, the, the importance of boundaries? I say boundaries are also a form of, well, boundaries are forgiveness. Yep. Because yep. when you are willing to be boundaried, you're basically saying, I'm aware of who I am. I'm aware of who I want to, who I want to be. And I recognize my part in whatever it is I didn't like about something in the past, no matter how small I perceive my part to be. And I'm willing to shift, mm. evolve myself even just a little bit. So I'm not in a repeat of that. Yeah. We think yep. that what we should do is something happens that we don't like. I'm going to put my guard up and be like, yeah, I don't trust anybody, blah, blah, blah. That's not boundaries. That's just walls. But when we have boundaries, we're saying, I want to move forward. Right. Right. Which you you say uh, you, these boundaries are really more of a precursor to stopping codependency before it starts, mm -hmm. which I do think that it is a little bit more difficult. Um, and I can say this because I've I've been in romantic relationships where we were codependent on one another and it was about yeah. you, what you're feeling, I'm feeling, and you're doing this, so I'm going to do this. And, you know, this like intertwined thing. And it's much more difficult to set a boundary when you're already tied up, right? Mm -hmm. So there are relationships that can, I think, be mended, but specifically with family – because there, there is there's so much research about if it is possible and it is you know physically safe and not harmful for you to mend with your family, you should mostly because it leads to longevity in mental and physical health. Right, you're going to yeah. live a happier, healthier life if you have a decent relationship with your family. But when you have a decent relationship with your family, I don't believe that can exist without boundaries. I just don't. I don't think any to a healthy relationship takes two healthy people. A, a healthy person 
won't you'll you'll find your you find yourself out real quick if you're the only healthy person in the room because you're going to start to feel real out of place. Yeah, I think like all all problems that we have in life, anything that we perceive as a problem is a boundary issue. Mm. Family are who we started out our life with, and they're actually who we learned our current or old boundaries with. Uh, family. Out of all the people that we might be around, because they're the ones that we've been around the longest, they can have these sort of pigeonholed perceptions of us. You know, like they're still reminding you about that time when, I don't know, your pants fell down in the playground when you're seven and you're like, mate, I'm 47. Like, why are you talking about that? You know, or they talk about you in this way that they, it's like you're still 12 or something. And it's right. like, mate, like, I'm not that age anymore. Like, I've grown up. Can you respect me? Like, I, I have I have things in the New York Times, bro. Like... <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yeah, but it's like they also families have roles in them, like it, where it's you do this job, I do this job. And part of our self-actualization and also the evolving of our relationship with our family, even though some people will not be into it, is growing out of those roles. Mm-hmm. As long as we stay in those roles, we're not being boundaried and we're also still in the child role because we're doing what we were doing as a kid. And what we then have to work out is, and something I say to people is, regardless of what other people do, you still need to figure out your boundaries. And so it can't be, well, I'll be boundaries, but if they're not boundaries, then I'm going to pull back my boundaries and go back boundaries Mm -hmm. and go back to like not having any. Mm -hmm. I'll give an example. You know, I've been guilty in the past of, you know, saying yes for the wrong reasons, wanting to, you know, keep the peace or to please mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And then you go around and you spend time with family and a lot of people do this and you regress. Mm-hmm. You behave like a moody teenager <laughs> who's like been yeah. forced to do something against their will. You're kind of dragging your feet, being all awkward. You know, they got the moody face on you or you're starting to like have petty arguments with siblings that actually you don't care about that type of stuff normally. But now that you're all back together or whatever it is. And I realized like, actually, mm. I need to be a grown up in my relationship with my family, irrespective of what my mom or my dad or whoever else does. Mm-hmm. We have to, irrespective of what other people's boundaries are, we have to base our boundaries on who we are. Mm. This is the important distinction because I say to people, if you start basing it, depending on the situation or the person, Mm. you ain't going to have boundaries. You're also going to overstep boundaries because you're going to psychoanalyze people and go, yeah, that one's not capable of coping with boundaries. That one can handle it. So I'll really go hard on them. That's bad boundaries. Have boundaries anyway. You don't need to psychoanalyze people to have boundaries. Just have your boundaries. You teach people how to treat you. Yeah. You teach people how to treat you with how you treat yourself. And I was reading in the Harvard Business Review, um, Managing Yourself, and an article in it, the the author who is a uh, professor was referring to a time in his life where he had to set a really, really uncomfortable boundary that he was playing like college basketball. And every Sunday, every Sunday, his entire life, the spirituality, the religion that he practices you don't work on Sundays, mm-hmm. period. Point blank, period. You don't work on Sundays. He, you know, was a great student, very academic, very involved with his basketball team, was a 100% type of guy. And they get into like the playoffs, right? You know, he's really important on this basketball team. And one of the tournament games lands on a Sunday. Oh, wow. And he's faced with the decision of 
Do I stay loyal to my team? Do I give, you know, 100% like I always have? Or do I stay true to who I am and my boundary? Mm -hmm. And he decided not to play that day. And he, I believe the quote is, it's easier to keep your boundaries 100% of the time than it is 99% of the time. Because if, and if we, we take that, yes, like I think, I mean, I won't get into sports because I kind of think flinging a ball around a field or court is arbitrary, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> I was having a conversation with a friend this past week and she was at this party with, you know, some people that she was wanting to show up for. And they asked her like, oh, like, do you, uh, you want to come like, you want to like do coke in the bathroom? And, and well, and she was faced with the decision of like, I don't. I don't do coke, but like I could like just this one time, like if it impresses them, like Mm -hmm. I want to give my all. And that's like the dichotomy right there of like being a people Mm -hmm. pleaser, wanting to give everything that you have and show up and do all that you can do because the voice of your, you know, to be Freudian, your dad or your mom or whoever is in your head. That's like you do it right this time. You give 100 percent. And then there's your integrity. There is you that is like I I don't really want to do this. Like, I don't really, that that little inkling in you that's kind of like, I'm about to betray myself. I'm about to betray my own respect for me for the respect of someone else. Yes. It's funny because that is something that, just like you say, that if you were sort of going back and forth on yourself about something, really you're going against yourself in some way. And I say to people, why do you need to be making a fresh decision about something that you already know? You know, your your boundaries are, uh, for want of a better term, like a bit like a uniform as such. And and if you've already decided that this is what I wear or this is what I do and this is who I am, mm-hmm. then there's no debate. Right. Right. Which which all goes back to your base needs. Asking yourself, mm-hmm. why am I saying yes or why am I saying no? And who am I saying yes to? Because the thing is, is if I'm not saying yes to one thing, I'm saying no to something else. Or if I'm not saying no to one thing, I'm saying yes to something else. And this is applicable in everything. In everything. Mm-hmm. Every, it's there in everything. It's two sides of the same coin. So we're carrying on as if yes and no are separate and distinct from each other. They are never apart. Mm. And when we fully understand this, we suddenly start to realize that our yes does carry and that can that can also be with uh you know just to psychoanalyze a little bit more that can be with the voice in your head too like i am such a i'm a i'm a recovering perfectionist and in in terms of um productivity in terms of my body which like as women we have to fight against a billion voices every single day um, against the men that I would like to please mm-hmm. or the institutions that I would like to be a part of, the internet at large, the the people that I speak with, my friends. Mm-hmm. If you don't have peace within yourself, like you don't have peace within anything else. And I don't know about you, but also I, I think about the voice in my head and I'm like, First of all, I would never speak to anyone else this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I did, would I want to hang out with them? Like, would I want to be their friend? If I found out that a friend was doing a favor for me because the voice in their head was being terrible and mean and shameful Mm -hmm. and unkind, like, she's going to hate you. She's going to, you know, she's never going to speak to you again. She's going to, you know, throw dirt on your name because of this, this, this. 
I wouldn't want her to do it. You know, and you'd feel so, really uncomfortable with that, that yeah. realization that your friend is doing this stuff, not because they want to, but because they've guilted and basically emotionally blackmailed themselves into it, that that is where it came from. And I think that a lot of people don't connect with that. I say to people, is this how your loved ones would want you to be making a decision because when we operate from mm -hmm. the space of the emotional blackmail we villainize the people around us now that's everybody's right. an asshole that's out to get us and that blackmailing is the one that says to us you know if we don't do this they're going to be pissed off they're going to cut us off they're going to this they're going to that if we then say yes from that place we're effectively agreeing mm -hmm. with that mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. actually may not reflect how we truly feel about those people how we perceive them and it actually wouldn't be how we would want them to be like for them, for them to think that we thought about them in that way. No. And the thing that I say to people, you know, you talk about that, that critical inner voice. I always know when I definitely do not need to pay attention to it because the inner critic has one function and one function only. And that is to criticize. And the trap that people fall into is just like we do with other unpleasable people in our life that we think don't think we're enough or whatever it is. We then try to please the inner critic mm -hmm. because we think, well, if I do it enough, the inner critic will shut the beep up and leave me alone. Wrong, babe. And what happens often when we obey the inner critic, not often, always when we obey it, is it switches sides. So... Whatever it was criticizing us about, like, I don't know, let's say we're like, oh, will I go on this date with this guy? And then the inner critic, like, oh, my God, like, what you, you're so pathetic. Blah, 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 blah. Why'd you, blah, blah. So then we go, OK, I'm not going to go on this date. Then it turns, oh, you're such a coward. See, this is why you're going to end up alone and you're just going to be like living with like 50 cats in your apartment and you're going to be found dead like after three weeks. Mm. And that's how you recognize that that is not your inner voice and that it's also just this oh crap inside you because the inner critic is like a taping of all of that of that negativity that's around that place the other thing is as well is that when we are more honest and i know it's an overused word but it is very important more authentic as in we have healthier boundaries our inner critic quietens down yes. because our inner critic is loudest when we are out of integrity with our values like our character you know so when we like what you i love what you're saying about how you know when you flip-flop and so you mm -hmm. you know you decide oh i'll make an exception this time i'll do something different this time and so we mm -hmm. don't have those boundaries that is where our inner critic seizes yeah. on our inauthenticity in those areas yeah. and it is most critical yes we are we're going to experience it most in those areas where we're basically living in the past and still playing out old childhood patterns Because that's that's where we recorded the inner critic in the first place. Right, exactly. And the inner critic, first of all, I highly recommend to anyone listening to this, if you haven't heard this before, name your inner critic, get yeah. to know them. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, you guys are going to want to put me in a loony bin, but I have, <laughs> I've named different parts of myself. Like yeah, me too. My, br my, my brain is is not the same like my body i i have a separate name for my body the way that i treat my body mm -hmm. i'm not going to tell you her name because that's i don't need you to know of course i have a separate name for my brain mm -hmm. and then i also have a separate name for my inner critic because it's like if i can learn to look at myself 
out of all of these different because that's how I was conditioned is to respect other people never to respect myself right yeah so I am learning every day like I'm not perfect lord knows I'm not perfect I'm recovering from trying to be perfect Mm -hmm. but if I can find tools that help me love myself better then I can love other people better right and that's that's all we really want to do is is become better and like learn to love others the way the w- the way that we want to love ourselves, right? Yes, 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 yes. And that is that extension of that. I think that when we are willing to have boundaries, when we're willing to trust ourselves a bit more, we come from the space of being emotionally generous mm-hmm. rather than being in this sort of, let me count out every penny, every cent of my interactions because I want to make sure that I'm not spending too much, that I'm getting a return on investment. Scarcity. Yeah. And, you know, this fearful sort of avoidant way. And when we come from the space of genuine love, Mm -hmm. you know, this loving, caring, trusting and respecting ourselves, being willing to go there, even if right now you're sitting there and you're going, you know, I'm not that crazy about myself. That's okay. Start from wherever you're at, because Mm -hmm. I think when you have that intention to come from a place of loving and caring and trusting and respecting yourself more, you will move towards that and you will start to notice the people and the things, you know, the situations that, that do and don't reflect that. Because when we treat ourselves with love, care, trust and respect, we will not accept less from somebody else than what we can already Mm -hmm. be and do for Mm -hmm. ourselves. I really do believe that if you can sit with yourself and you Mm -hmm. can listen to that voice, she's in there or he or they or them or whoever you identify as, they're in there. They're in there if you take time to say yes and listen to them. Yeah, and their voice may is likely, particularly if you're quite self-critical, you've listened to your inner critic a lot, your you is in there, but it is probably going to be, it's going to be quieter. But the difference between mm-hmm, that and that mm-hmm. inner critic voice is that it is calmer. It is neutral. It is non-emotive. It's not trying to whip you up into a frenzy. It just is. Well, and it's, it's not going to push you out of shame. No, no it's not going to beat the crap out right? of you and shame you and all this stuff to try to get you to kowtow to whatever its agenda is. It's just, it just is. And when you, allow yourself to have that space to be like oh I wonder why that is like I love what you said about naming those parts of you like when that guilt shows up or the emotional blackmail sit alongside it like sometimes when my guilt shows up I'm like oh hello old friend hey what a surprise that you're here today you know when when that whole sort of Debbie Doubter comes along you know I you know I, I got a book deal last year and I had like 24 hours of feeling elated and then the inner critic jumps in Mm. and I told my husband about it and he burst out laughing and he's like well I knew it was I knew it was coming today it just jumped into rain on my parade but once you are able to separate it and not see it as you it's just this part of you I was like okay well what does it want and it's like well it's it's protective it's this protective device in me that doesn't want me to get too disappointed so I mustn't get too excited hence why He's all over my parade in these joyful moments. You know, I might see something, I don't know, online. And then I, I don't know, I might hear this kind of judgmental thing. And I'd be like, oh, that was interesting. No judgment on myself for it. I just go, oh, mm. 
that was interesting that I thought that about that. And then I and then I connect with what I truly mm-hmm. think. Yes. And I think that if we can just get into that more mindful space of ourselves where we're just willing to notice and a lot of us are afraid to notice this stuff. But ironically, it's the path to our liberation. It's the path to peace. It's our path also to joy as well. Yes. Oh, that's so good. I love what you said at prompting questions, being curious with whatever voice is in your head, be curious with it, right? Which is mm-hmm. uh, cognitive behavioral therapy just in in general, which I also highly recommend. I'm not a doctor, but if you do have a trusted therapist or healthcare professional, I would say look into CBT because it's extremely helpful, especially in the age of the internet where there's all of these intrusive voices. I continue, I love that you ask, what does it want? What does it want? Yeah. Versus what do I want? And I'll answer that question for everyone listening. What do you want? You want love and validation. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to get it from false idols. You're not going to get it from false voices. You're not going to get it from false approval from other people. You are going to get it from respecting yourself and staying true to your boundaries is what you are going to get love and approval for. Yes. And I say this absolutely from a place of experience. Um. I don't think that they're – I'm not proud of any decision that I've made out of shame. I'm <laughs> yeah. not proud of, of, of any of them. Amen. In fact, a lot of the time they can lead you down some really harmful, hurtful places, not just with you but hurting other people too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, never a true word spoken that – we the things that we do from a place of shame are never going to be in alignment with how we want to feel and continue feeling the person who we are and who we want to become the things the people you know the situations the opportunities that matter to us shame is not going to be in alignment with that it's going to take us in the opposite direction right right which which natalie i have this question in my head that you, you come from so much experiential knowledge and wisdom. Um, what is the, you, you know, we've been talking about the power of saying no to so many things. Mm-hmm. You've said no to a lot of things, but what, what has been your favorite yes thus far in, in your life? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a big one. Almost 16 years ago, my friend invited me to go to this games night uh, thing. It's like, it's like this playing board games for a charity event. And my plan was to stay home and sit in my pants. I was on a Saturday night and I was really in this sort of phase of doing my own thing. And three days before I had um, ended it with a very cocky, annoying doctor that I'd been dating for a few weeks. And I had just like cut that right off. And she was like, oh, please, come on. And you know what? I decided to say yes, because and it wasn't from this place of I was doing it to please her. I was like, you know what? Right. It could be fun Mm. to go along there. That night I met my now husband. Mm -hmm. Um, Me being able to say yes that day came also from all of these other no's that I'd been saying in the run up towards that. And It's not just the the fact that I met him. There was from there, I think it was just that sort of saying yes to allowing myself to experience good things. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny when you can learn to say yes to yourself? The universe resounds and says, finally, finally, the, the all of the people that have been looking for you can find you now. Because you're being you. Yeah. You're being nice to you. You're respecting yourself. You're existing in this world. Welcome to the play. 
welcome, you know? Now meet all of the other players that were meant to to be part of your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Nat, oh my goodness. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to all of us, talking to me today. Every episode we wrap up on Cageless by, by asking our guest, if there was one thing that you would tell your younger self today, what would you tell her? Oh, wow. Um, I would tell my younger self that I do not have to, that, you know, you don't have to do anywhere near as much as you do to be loved, to be accepted. You are absolutely fine as you are. But either way, you're going to be okay. Yes. Do you think she would listen? Uh, that's a good question. I think she would from the sense of having this calming, loving, because I would obviously be coming to her from a calming, loving space. And I think that that would maybe pay attention. But, mm-hmm. you know, we've got to learn. We've got to get our stripes and learn in the way that we do. You sometimes yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. You sometimes do. You got to you gotta say you gotta say no and yes to the right and wrong things. But that's kind of the journey of life yeah. here. That's that's part of learning and growing is is learning how to say yes and learning how to say no. Because if we were all perfect, tell this to your inner critic next time. If we were all perfect, how bored would we all be, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how boring. Well, Nat, like I said, thank you so much for, for coming on today. And Nat, can you tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at baggagereclaim.com, which is where I've got my blog. And obviously you can find out details of my podcast on there. It's social media wise, I'm on Instagram and that's at Nat Lou. That's N-A-T-L-U-E. And that's the best place sort of to get a hold of me in terms of like socials and stuff. Jenny, yes, you are an incredibly wise soul, and I thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you today. It's been such a pleasure, and I really appreciate you having me on. Yes, I am going to take what you just said and chew on it for the rest of the day. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. And everyone, um, speaking of her Instagram, she posts really cute, uh, very meaningful, colorful pictures with like really astute quotes and wisdom. So highly recommend you following her. She's one of my favorite followers on Instagram. And I will make sure to link all of her information below. Thank you, Nat. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will see you next time on Cageless. If you learned anything or enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate and review our show. I would love nothing more than to hear your thoughts and topics that you're excited to dig deeper into. Tag me on TikTok, shoot me a message on Instagram, they're linked in the show notes, and don't forget to be kind to yourself today.